as things have settled down a bit in the wake of Neris and Loren's altercation. Alton and Fishman, where do you find yourselves for this conversation? That is a very good question. That's what I was going to ask. Um, what do you... Like, you're just in his room and stuff? Fishman is a, as a... Like, a, just a flat rule doesn't allow anyone in his room. Yeah, and Alton's bedroom be fun. Yeah, sure. But yeah, cool. So I guess, yeah, we eventually find ourselves in yeah. Alton's room. Thanks again for this... As I said earlier, it has been troubling me. We spoke of visions, and you mentioned to be wary if they were of my own origin. In the world we live in, it's a valid concern to have, unfortunately. There are spells that can do that, and other things to make you put things in your mind that don't come from you. You are very knowledgeable on this. Might I ask why? Oh boy. Um, well, yes. This is the kind of conversation that I sometimes have with, like, I don't know, a boyfriend or, like, a doctor or something, and it's like, uh, it has varying results, but yes, sure. Um, for not quite 200, maybe 150 years or something, I've been having visions myself. Sometimes I can go a whole year or two without them, that's nice. You know, lots of people don't know what to make of it, but there is something watching me. I don't know exactly what it is. I know it's something powerful, and it sends me these visions so that I don't forget that it can see me. That is concerning and significant. Do you know what? Do you, if you don't mind, you seem to have a lot of history you conceal. Is this something you wish to speak about? I would fully understand if you didn't, but I would be concerned nonetheless. No, fair enough. Uh, No, I don't. I don't know what it is. And to be honest, if this is something similar happening to you, you should do your best to avoid it too. What does it show you? The first time was, well, it's where I think our similarities. It brought me to the surface. It's like you say, it's, it's like a vision. It's like sleepwalking. I barely know the journey I took, but I know that I took it. It took over for me and it walked me right up to the surface and then just left me there. (laughs) Much like how the beast we fought brought me to the back of the boat. I don't quite remember how I got there, but I do remember the journey, as you say, and then simply coming to Perhaps, perhaps these are similar. That would be something. I mean, I've spoken to, like, clerics and warlocks before, and they don't have any kind of similar experience, really. Do the visions show anything of promise, or is it only dread? They might show me something that's happening. 
I think they show me things from the present. Uh, moments of joy, moments of grief, but the feeling to them, having that power, that, that coldness, this is not something that I want. There is nothing good about this. If I could perhaps offer some assistance, I know not what they are, but I believe there are magics that help with being seen. I believe it's called scrying. Right, so I can hide my presence from it. You Do you think it that's going to do anything that... against a god? A god. That's what I think it is. I don't know why it hasn't struck me down yet. I don't know what it's planning. And he kind of went into this conversation in that kind of way where when you're trying to like disclose about something that you've lived with for a long time, you don't want the other person to be weird about it. You're trying to be casual about it. He kind of went into it that way. And, but he's getting more and more agitated and distressed as he is speaking about it, kind of losing handle of his emotions a little bit. Fishman, I would look surprised when you mention things like a god or when the visions happen and how you have that lapse of time between the vision and then coming to in a different place almost as if you were possessed but most of the time he's you can tell he's paying attention you can tell he's in kind of like an accepting position but probably when he notices that Alton loses kind of that emotional integrity he'll like take a step in and like without stretch arms not touch it just like it is okay. We don't have to talk about it. You're on the Polaris, potentially what I would argue one of the safest vessels out there. We beat a leviathan of a beast, <laughs> essentially against all odds. Arshan kind of like shies back a little, but doesn't step too far away. Now a god is not something I believe the Polaris has been up against, but I don't believe we would shy away from the challenge. But I advise against picking fights with gods, I would say. <laughs> yes, no, that's not something I would ask of any of you. I've seen it, that the destruction that they bring. All that we can do is, is try to avoid them. Just stay away from what the visions tell you. Just try to keep your head down, okay? If you're going through the same thing, then maybe we can keep their eyes off us together. Is there more than a single seat in this room? <laughs> he just has like two really standard looking chairs. Um, he'll probably pull one out and like sit back on it and like completely lean back with his chin facing up towards the ceiling. And you can sense that maybe he's getting a little tense himself and he'll bring in a really big breath and then let out a really big sigh. And then he'll drop his head towards you and just say... If that is what you want to do with your curse, that is fine. That is not what I want to do with my curse. What do you have planned? Nothing. I have nothing planned, and that is what I hate most. Every night, I look for a portal. Every night, I'm hoping to find and map out as many as I can find ways in and out of this plane I will disappear for years on end and the Polaris has been amazing in allowing me to come back after such a lapse in time I will go out and try and find these myself but I've come to the realization that I cannot alone I 
I've now met what troubles me, the very thing, and I am still clueless as to what to do. At this stage, it is I wait for it to find me, and I have another chance. Because by the sounds of it, the thing I've been searching for this whole time is the only thing that knows anything about me. (laughs) I have looked everywhere. I have tried and tried and failed and failed and failed. And the only time I succeed is by chance, by fate. I want to do more and I want to find more. And I have asked many people for help. One of which on this very ship. And whilst I hope he pulls through, I am doubtful. No one has been able to help me. So I don't want to run away. I don't want to hide. And please don't take this as something that you must take to heart. If it makes you feel at ease to do what you are doing, then that is fine. You are simply doing the best you can. And the best I can do is keep on trying and trying. And it may be reckless, but I've been looking for a long time. And I'm starting to get tired. That's that's me. So you're looking for your, your memories or the thing that took them from you? As silly as it sounds, I'm looking for me. Who I used to be, what I've done, and who I am now. Some people have said to me to just simply be the person I am. Who cares about what's happened in the past? It's different for me. I wish I could be content with that, but I am cursed in more ways than most people think. No, that that makes sense. You know, sometimes I think that it'd be better just to not forget. But to lose that control over yourself. There's parts of yourself. There's a funny choice of wording. To forget. And most people would love to forget things. But I believe it is far worse fate not to remember. Look, I think your quest to find yourself is honorable. That makes a lot of sense. But if you ever start to find yourself straying too close to, you know, he points up to the heavens. Oh, you know, and he points down below. If any of them ask anything of you, if you have to give anything of yourself to find yourself, then step back. It is not worth it. I can't shake the feeling that I've perhaps already been in that situation. I have faith that if I were to stray, the crew of the Polaris will help me, stop me or catch me. But I feel like I've already paid some toll and I'm not even aware of what that toll is. Perhaps the worst has already happened. uh, I'm not quite sure what I was expecting coming into this conversation, but it's well past anything I could have imagined. Uh, yes, no, that did go well enough. I mean, definitely had people go like, oh, out and why in Fielo would a god care about you? So that's uh, it's been a nice change. <laughs> Just know that I am quite knowledgeable of the areas we are around. I am quite knowledgeable of places to hide. If ever you find yourself in need of that information, please come and find me. Thank you. I would offer you the same, but half my contacts, uh, and he slices a finger across his throat in a gesture. Would you like some tea? I've actually, um, I've actually modified my pistols a little bit as well, if you're interested. Before he does say absolutely, it looked like 
he was fighting with himself for a brief moment, almost like eyes up to his forehead thinking. But then he'll like brush his hands on his legs as if to be done with it and then just gets up and says, sure, that would be great. And I'd love to see these guns. Yes, I've definitely gotten the reload better. And he'll like take him through the schematics and get out the pistols as well for Fishman to look at. How do you think that last mission went? Oh, well, I mean, quite well in the end. I think it went exceptionally. Yes, nice little stealth job. And just the two of us. Mm, Exactly, yes, like I said before, you make a a good little burglar. (laughs) I am not little, and he outstretches his arms. (laughs) But I was at that time, I guess. (laughs) Yes, odd little spell, really. (laughs) You are very skilled. I hope you know that. And it does show. Thank you. I think he does his usual thing of, like, taking a second to suss out the compliment. I'll roll the inside. Is this person being genuine? That's a 12. Does Fishman look very genuine? You've known him to be quite honest. He doesn't often lie. It's not, you know, my main skill set. I do think that I am the most proficient as a medic, but I've, I've dabbled. I've been thinking about Neris quite a lot recently. Particularly with how he avoids violence. And particularly with recent missions, has been the very beacon of hope for a peaceful way to do things. Yes, that is an interesting way of going about it. And looking around at our crew, I believe stealth could perhaps be taught to a few more A few of our crew are quite gun-ho. Yes, that is very true. And he'll probably, like, take one of the pistols. The safety will stay on. But yeah, he'll just, like, aim it around at, like, certain things in the room, going like... But we might not always find ourselves in a situation where stealth is the answer. It is just troubling how... We are constantly walking on this slack line of morality. The life of a mercenary is hard. I mean, it's a life where you kill people for money. But I do know what you mean. Have you ever considered becoming a pirate? (laughs) I mean, it's maybe a profession I would have preferred over ship's cook. I don't know, I'm just... I'm just thinking. I've had a lot to think about recently, and and like it looks like he's really struggling to like find words. Mm. Seeing how how quickly the Red Phoenix has come up with answers makes me question whether or not this is the right line of work, the the moral one. And as silly as it sounds, perhaps the life of a pirate could be more. Alton, like, once again, just breaks into the sh- sharp tooth grin. I knew you were a cool guy. You know, I couldn't agree more. You come to the right person if you're having doubts about this. I would never turn my back on the Polaris, but it's just something I think of from time to time. No, of course, of course. I mean, there's only so much advancement as well that you can get in a little mercenary troop watched over by the heads of the Hydra, whereas a pirate I- ship... We could do a lot more. Make a name for ourselves. That is very true. 
And we're quite capable as well. I'm not sure what fear-mongering we could do, like Captain Thunderbolts. What message we can put out there, the reputation, but... If we did start our own pirate crew, what would we call ourselves? Let's let's indulge in this. Good point. Well, my last gang, they're the Crimson Lakes, because when someone crossed the gang, we slit their throat and tossed them in a lake. I guess it depends on our watch. How do they do it? I can't think of anything. How, how did they come up with these names? I don't get it. One of my old bosses, um, her clinic was just literally called uh, Bruna's Clinic. Like, for, <laughs> I worked with her for literally centuries, I knew her, and she never thought of a better name. And I couldn't really think of one either, to be honest. I can give it a brainstorm. And they're just going to keep on coming up with terrible pirate crew. Yes, yeah. yes. I did for quite some time. <laughs> All right. So, is there anything else folks want to cover before turning in for the evening? Um, so Rue is on the deck. It's very quiet. And Rue's kind of just like standing there, tapping their long fingers on the wooden box that Lorraine gave them. Hmm. Well, there is no explosions or sudden gunfire. So what do you think, Ham? Would it be safe to just take a little peek? You're very right. Why shouldn't we indulge? And then Rude again taps the little fingers on the, the wood. A gift, a gift for me, for Rue Friday, from someone who does not even know me that well. Now is it a funny joke for them, at my expense, or a gift truly given? We shall see. And then they're going to very slowly and very carefully and very gingerly with focus um, unlatch this little box that Lorenz given them. So what Rue would see inside the, the little wooden box, there's little sheets of tissue paper on top of which are placed two oh, of the... that is very nice. ...of the shiniest red apples you've ever seen. Uh. And <laughs> attached to the little stems is a little twine and card note in very chicken scratchy handwriting. It says, for ham on the apples oh, oh dear you know places i might be afraid of these but in- instead this is a gift for you ham isn't that nice and then rue will very carefully like put one apple in like their pouch and then he takes another apple and contemplates ham for a moment holding the box in the other hand and then tosses it high up in the air i mean you know in a, like a very tall but short arc which i imagine ham probably jumps off and snaps up <laughs> and, and then they continue to have a look so under the tissue paper, if they're spindly little fingers, spider crawl their way across it and peel it away. Underneath, there's another little card that says, For Rue. How delightful. And it is a little bundle of feathers, clearly meant to be attached to a hat. And oh, when, it's marvelous. And when Rue pulls them out at the base would be many black feathers similar to a raven's but not quite and then there are these long plumes of very neatly trimmed red eye peacock feathers Rue kind of just like does a full body wiggle I guess (laughs) and then they carefully snap the box shut 
Well, what a wonderful gift. It does not seem to be a baby trapped either. Oh, Ham, let's, let, let's, let's investigate. And then they kind of gesture for Ham and then we'll like excitedly hurry back to the, his room. <laughs> Carrying the box very high aloft. <laughs> I was going to say he may potentially run into Loren. Oh, my apologies. None taken. Oh, you opened your gift. Oh, um, I mean, yes, I, I did. Um, do you like it? I like it very much. And Ham liked the gift as well, didn't you, Ham? We're saving the second one for dessert. Uh, no, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I figured, you know, you've got the whole beaky thing going on. I thought something bird-themed might, you know. No, it's wonderful. It, it reminds me of back home. Or an Ackerman, I suppose. I don't know where home is. Do any of us, really? I appreciate ha- it very much. The feathers are wonderful. Oh, good. That's good. I like to leave a smile on people's faces. Lily, you do. Did your conversation go well? It went great. Uh, that was a 19 deception. And then Rue kind of just like tilts their head to one side because it's a 21 inside. Did it not go well? Depends on who you ask. That's true. What is good for some may be agony for others. Hmm. feel like that's common on this ship. That is also true. There are many different sorts. Hmm. For instance, I feel like your captain, Captain Clover, he certainly enjoyed how the evening went. I'm glad. He is in need of more cheer lately. Really? Yes. But isn't everyone. And you have given me much cheer by this wondrous gift. I appreciate that. It's the second gift I've received in the last three years now. Thank you very much. What was the first one? Mr. Tibble got me a notebook. In three years, you've received a notebook and a feather in your cap. Yes. I was not very popular upon Akron Island. Well, uh, Loren gets this very um, strange, pinched little look on her face. And then um, she kind of leans in closer to Rue, where they're like in a hallway. I haven't been wanting to bring it up because I've only only met you the once. But... Considering you just said that, I just feel the need to ask. Surely your medical condition isn't that bad, is it? Can't be that it... contagious for people to push you away. What do you mean? Well, you're wearing the mask. You've got something contagious then. Oh, I hadn't thought about it being contagious. I have mostly good control over it. You control it? I'm trying to. Accidents only happen sometimes. Oh, you poor dear. Oh. Did did you at least have a good doctor? I know you're a you're a medic. I'm a or a doctor, do- yes. Oh a doctor yes. Oh. So were you were you doing your own treatments, Rue? My own treatments to myself. I well, heard- I suppose not. My mentor helped make some repairs here and there. Rue, come now, you're you don't have to call it repairs. It's medical care. You are right. It is medical care, yes. Aye. But repairs is also apt. Why? Because it's fixing the material that is not skin, I suppose. You but don't have skin? <laughs> no, of course not. What? My apologies. 
the uh, folk of Akaran Island mostly had feathers, of course. So this gift is really wonderful. I sorry. <laughs> no, I don't have skin. My apologies, you, darling. Is that is that why you wear all that? Because you don't. Is your skin? Is your are your muscles visible? Is that? I don't really have muscles. Of oh sort. my god! <laughs> what a terrible accident it must have been. Perhaps it was. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Oh no. <laughs> I think I'm missing something. My this and Rue kind of like gets gestures to like their mask and everything like that and their like whole physique. Mm. This is just how I present myself, I suppose. To give comfort, I was simply adopting how some of the doctors dressed and how the other bird folk on Akron appear to give them more comfort because my appearance otherwise is somewhat unsettling. Sorry, you're not... you're not flesh and blood. Regrettably. It would be interesting to be so. How? It is quite messy, I suppose. I... it is very messy inhabiting a body. Uh, Sorry, I'm being... is it rude of me to to ask? You're presenting a certain way. I don't want to pry into things that aren't my business. Have you heard of an Anandal before? Anandal? I assume everyone here has. The Um, professor who was traveling with us for a while just plain out said it when I was trying to hide it. He outed you? Yes, it was very rude, honestly. (laughs) That... I... Feck him! That is a good term. You don't covet magic from Anandol, do you? Or Anamancy? I've never even heard of them. I know my magic and not much else. Insight check. (laughs) It's a 14. <laughs> She's not lying. She doesn't know much about animancy or... They just sort of, like, tilt their head to one side. I see. Well, I've been told I'm Animdoll. I don't know a great deal about it. My mentor, unfortunately, left before we could find out what was missing and what I do not recall. But we are, or at least the books that I have read, of which they were scarce on Akarin. Anamdala constructs of a sort. Made? But I'm not sure. No one knows how they're made. How oh. we are made. But they must be made in some way. There is some damage to myself that I do not know of. Someone yes. hurt you? Perhaps in the past. It's fine. I don't remember it. And Doesn't I am mean it's I fair. That is also true. But... Yes, people usually have the similar reaction, or worse, if they find out I do not have skin. So it's just easier to wear this. Oh, sorry for yelling and hollering and making a scene. That's, um... That's fine. Well, no, it's not. I'm well-versed myself in keeping up certain appearances for the comfort or discomfort of others. Do you also not have skin? <laughs> no, no, I've definitely got skin. I see. see you can poke it. And she like they holds do, up they her do. arm. They extend like a long kind of like claw. Very yeah. healthy skin it is too. I moisturize. I can tell. But um, is there like a cupboard, <laughs> a linen <laughs> closet, uh, uh, just uh, a room? But there'd probably be a cupboard or something like that. <laughs> yeah. An alcove. <laughs> All right. I'm just gonna um, and she just 
grabs Rue and does like pull them into a cupboard and looks at Ham and goes one minute and then just brings her in and goes now I don't want you thinking that this is anything like those pantomimes where people do this and then they come out covered in the little lipstick marks that's not happening good to know what is the context of this then I knew I liked your Rue Friday we share something what is it I know very little of the air but are no appearances. Yes. And again, I am sorry for saying what you are so loudly. I know you said that everyone on the crew knows, but that's still not my place to go poking and prying. And I like you. So if you tell anyone about this, you're going to wind up at the bottom of the ocean. They tilt their head to one side. But neither of us are quite what we seem. And she takes her headband off. And in a little sight that Neris has seen via clairvoyance, her ears unfurl. And I don't know if Rue would have seen a lot of these types of ears before, but they are fins. Iridescent blue and green with streaks of yellow, sparkling almost like they're still damp, even though they're not. And as they unfurl, you can see the watercolor bleed of that into the side of her temple that you could maybe have mistaken for a strange olive undertone. Ah, are you one of the people that lives below the sea then? Half a one, half Triton. Oh, congratulations. Is there a reason you hide it? It is very pretty. Like you said, When you don't look like the people around you, it's easier to become what's around you. It's easier to hide your ears. And and she undoes the buttons on her collar and pulls them back to reveal gills down the side of her neck. It's easier to hide that around humans than a human face around Triton. My apologies. It is not a life for all. No. But those are very fine gills. And will treat you very well underwater. Oh, they do. They mighty do. That is, I I appreciate you showing me this, Loren. If this has been a concern for you. Has it been a concern for you? Only in a mirror way, I suppose. Rook is like nattering while they're unfasting the um, latches of the play doctor mask they have. And as like they start to remove the really bright lamplight that um, shines behind the glasses of their eyes, starts to warp around. And like Loren, I don't know what you're expecting to see, but basically, when Rue takes this mask off, there is no shape of a face, I suppose. There's no structure of a face under, like, I guess where the mask is. Um, instead, it's just it's the light behind the glass of the mask uh, that is just swirling around in this kind of, like, sort of not, like, overpowering, but this raw, fizzing tempest of magic, I suppose. Uh, the animancy that sort of, like, fuels them. And you can kind of see there's some metal parts that are sort of some sort of casing where perhaps a head might have been or something like that, but it is just cracked. So you can see there's been little metal filled in so it's to sort of repair it but the sort of head that Rue has is just magic perhaps like a really bright white where there would be two lamplight eyes and then three red light crystals 
that are just sort of floating around all in that. And then in the center is this big red eye with like a long split pupil, I suppose. Loren just starts muttering in primordial and you don't understand, but it does sound like almost a prayer. Very just sort of a, you know, the, Jesus, yeah. Mary and Joseph sort of vibe. Rue very quickly puts their mask back on again and like, well, there we go. You're a beauty. Oh, thank you very much. My God, you just walk around like that. Well, I walk around like this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is how I know that most people in the world are feckin' idiots. Because only Why? an idiot would hate to see you. Ruth, that's amazing. Thank you very much. I thank you again for the gifts. I feel like I should get you more just for that. You're the purest magic I've ever seen. That may be true. But as we said... And they put a finger to their imaginary mouth. Of course. And she ties up her little headband again. Another thing you would have noticed, the first time you would have met Loren, the headband would have been folded quite narrow. You're realizing now just to cover her ears. As Mm. she puts it back on, it's quite wide on her head. And you look and realize the roots of her hair are green. Red is not her natural hair color. Thank you for sharing an understanding of yourself. And I thank you the same. You know, if you're ever looking for a job, we've only got one medic. Only one? Goodness me. Their name's Stabbins. They're really good. And with a little wave of magic, these sparkling little electric bolts fly from her fingers as she creates a business card. (laughs) And she holds it out to Rue. Maybe the Polaris doesn't need any doctors at all. And she hands it to Rue. Rue very delicately takes the card. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Miss Loren. So, any final little bits before characters retire for the evening? Kibble, at some stage, throughout his conversation with Cerise, which I'm sure they are just exchanging captain's pleasantries, various different tales of different exploits, Captain Life or not. Um, He will extend an offer for both Cerise and by proxy Loren as well to stay aboard the ship for the night and take their rest before leaving in the morning. Cerise would take you up on that. And he would show um, Cerise, and if he can find her, Loren, where the guest cabin is and then he would retire for the night. In the meantime, Kara, when she left her husband, um, she really did go down to the kitchen to start some food for supper. And she will methodically make her way around to each of the crew members who do and can eat to offer them supper. Kara would have made her way to Alton's room, quite surprised to see Fishman there also, but offers you both like a warm smile and some hot food. And last but not least, she makes her way over to Neris and she'll gently knock on Neris's door. So you can see the light coming out from underneath the door, a flickering candlelight. And normally, the door would open almost immediately. 
there is a slight pause as, unbeknownst to Kara, Daris has, still kind of sitting in front of his desk, quickly grabbed his wand on hearing the knock at the door, gone to use a spell that he uses all the time to take the tears that are staining his face and his shirt and kind of try and pull them away. And they get about halfway and he sees them just kind of hovering in front of his body and he's like, that doesn't matter. And he slowly puts it all back on and uses the wand to cast Mage Hand to open the door. And Kara would enter seeing Neris sitting propped up on his knees, not on the footstool, and will look up at Kara, tears dry but still present on his face as he looks up and cocks his head. Kara, she stands for a moment in the doorway, unreadable as she kind of looks at you. And then she strides over to your desk, puts down the tray, strides back to the door and shuts it. And she turns to you and she kneels down in front of you. She doesn't ask what happened, but she does reach out to take your hands if they're offered one is he has one behind his back she takes your hand and she presses into the palm of it softly and after a moment more of quiet she releases your hand and signs to you please eat there's a bit of a moment where Neris is trying to almost think of as probably Kara has seen Neris do a lot before several different conversations at once before he signs and it's very loose he's just just one hand um some of the words aren't quite right what are we here for she um thinks a moment and then she gestures we and she makes the sign for we and then gestures between yourself and her and then she makes the sign for we and gestures to the ship and there's a question there doesn't matter Kara, you have known me for a while now. You knew what I was before when I joined the Polaris, how I was. Am I really better now? And for Kara's reference, there is uh, very many visual signs that Neris has been going through a lot of emotions lately. However, currently, all the tears have dried. There's hardly an inflection in his voice, and the only thing that you're getting from Neris is curiosity. She thinks a moment, and then her hands begin to move, and she says to you something she's saying with emphasis. You, Neris, you're trying, and sometimes that's enough. You're right. Sometimes it is enough. You, um, you trust your husband with your whole heart, do you not? She searches your face for a moment. She signs to you, I would trust him with the fate of the moon but he is still only mortal. But you trust him? I choose to, yes. Do you? Nurse doesn't answer. 
and instead asked another question. Very similar signing, and it's very difficult to do this with one hand. It would probably take Kara a little bit of time to realize, because it almost looks like he asked the same question again. Do you trust your husband? There's a slight change. Kara realizes instead, Nara said, Do you trust your captain? Kara searches your eyes, and you would see the moment where she realizes what you're asking. And she searches them a moment longer. And then she answers, maybe not in the way that you'd expect. Captain is a title given to my husband by those who would choose to put anyone in power. Him, along with all men in power, along with all captains, along with you, along with I, we are mortal. I choose to trust him. Nurse smiles in response, and it does seem to reach his eyes, and Neris will give Kara's hand a little bit of a squeeze, look back at the food that has been placed on his desk, give a little nod, sign. I will finish up here. You should get some sleep. Thank you. Kara does this silent sort of chuckle, and she signs to you, well, you know that that is not likely, but I will rest, as should you. And she gets to her feet and she leans forward before you stand and kisses you on the brow and tussles your hair a little before leaving. And she quietly shuts the door behind her. As the door closes, the smile from Neris' face leaves his eyes and he stares at the back of the door. The glass picture frame resting on the back of it shattered bits of glass on the floor and off covered from behind where the door was opened is that small foot cushion that Neris was sitting on before Neris smile now fully leaving his face just says a couple of little phrases out aloud in his head that he's heard throughout the night just almost tasting them in his mouth. We we are all mortal. If they wanted your man dead, they would have made you watch. Why? Why would they not want him dead? And Neris will reach into his satchel which is just sort of slightly out of arm's reach and pull out a small uh, carefully wrapped package that he bought earlier on in the evening and he's just going to open it up and sitting on a bed of tissue paper is a very small sort of gift shop vibe amulet to Shognash which seemingly was wrapped as some form of a gift that he's going to look at finding potential what does that mean and Neris will look over at just a couple of plants that he has growing just in a corner of his room just sort of not adding to the room too much but they're, they're there 
he's going to go over and just grab a little vine that's been snaking up one of the bookshelves. Who was I? He's going to snap it off. Who am I? And he's going to, still with one hand, just sort of wrap the vine around so it's a little loop in his hand and he's going to squeeze it. He's going to bring his other hand out that was behind his back for that entire encounter. And he brings it up to his face and there's a shard of glass in the palm that he looks at, slowly pooling with a little bit of blood. Who do I intend to become? And he looks back at the plants that are growing, just very slowly, in a similar vibe to what he normally does with his wand. He points this little loop of vine back down at the plants that it originated from, and there's this energy that takes shape over the plants, this necrotic power where the plants, not just the plants in the corner, but the ones a little bit further along the wall, the one behind the door, they all wither and die. And Naris looks back at the glass in his hand, and the blood is still there, but the wound is gone. And he just closes his hand around that glass. Who do I intend to become? Who do I need to become? And Neris will ponder that question for the rest of the night and into the hours of the morning. So eventually, sleep finds you all. And in that sleep, Cerise, you find yourself in what appears to be the reception hall of a burnt down noble estate. You're not particularly familiar with the architecture, though it's not alien or extra planar. You see the floor is strewn with corpses in various states of decay, though most are down to the bone. Though the second floor isn't intact, a fact made abundantly clear by the way the dark grey sky is visible overhead, you see a lithe humanoid figure descending the grand staircase. His well-tailored, dark formal wear accentuating his form. His face is upturned in a perpetual sneer as his black hair drapes down over one eye. I think it's time we work out how you can repay me. Certainly. There are certain things I want that my binds don't allow me the capacity to seek there is one who I can guide you to. He will know what to do. Excellent. Alton. You find yourself adrift at sea. The water is calm, the sky clear and blue. You lie there for a moment. It's peaceful until the sky starts to turn grey and fill with dark clouds. The pace of the water begins to pick up until you find yourself unable to simply float. 
you need to fight against the sea, swimming with all you've got lest you succumb to the dark depths of the ocean. You hear a hoarse, feminine voice call out to you, Foolish child! To think you have evaded me is sheer arrogance. I will claim you. That is as certain as the sun rising and falling, as sure as mountains crumbling to rubble over millennia. You may run for now, but before this ends, you will be mine. Neris. You find yourself in an unfamiliar room. Identifiable details are scarce, but the design seems consistent with the architecture of Ankathair and the Isles in general. Whoever calls this place home is clearly quite affluent and very precise, judging by how the room and its contents are laid out. You see an arcane calendar on the wall indicating today's date. Well, this is not so Polaris. <laughs> Your eyes are drawn to the one piece that seems to be out of place. A single piece of paper lying out upon the desk in the corner. We should investigate seeing this paper you see there is a list of letters scrawled down the left hand side some of them with additional runes text of some language you don't recognize next to them some of them with nothing but the letters you recognize as common and from top to bottom they read a o c v d o g w j t m v r k S, S, T, V, W, Z, C, and Z, M. Almost all paired up, except for that one singular S. How big is this piece of paper? Does it look like there are other... Like they're the start of words? It is a standard piece of parchment paper. Does it look like this is some form of a a puzzle or a cipher? Or does it look like someone has tried to erase most of the page and only leaving the first letter? It appears as if... There doesn't appear to be a cipher that you can glance, at least not an obvious one. There doesn't seem to be any erasing that has taken place. Simply a list... Is anybody here? Is there anything else in the room? Yeah, roll an investigation check. Uh, That's a 14 investigation. 14. Um, Looking through the books, one of them appears to be a diary of some sort. We take... And just have a quick flick through if there seems to be time. So flicking through the pages inside, they are all blank. But you do see written neatly inside the front cover. The name Latian Tosseris. The handwriting is consistent with the list on the table. Is that name striking anything with Neris? Not at all. Actually, roll me an intelligence check. Twelve. Twelve. No. 
nothing familiar about it at all. Then suddenly you feel a voice, as if it was coming from your own mouth. How? Before you feel your consciousness forced out and you awake back on the Polaris. And that is where we're going to leave it for this week. So very, very spicy. Thank you for listening, folks. Been a fun one. Um, One thing I wanted to add, Fishman would have left something um, slitted under Alton's door before we all went to sleep as well. And it's probably something that Alton would find when they wake up. It's a little scribble he did. Mm, And it's funny now because of that vision as well, but... So it's a very, Please. very scribbly drawn sketch of a Polaris with all of the crewmates around, but most importantly, a, a happy Alton in the middle with the subtitle, this is what I see when I look at Alton. Oh, that is hilarious because cute. that thing was like, nah, I'm coming for you. It's inevitable. Yeah, yeah. Panic, panic. <laughs> yeah, I think he'd set that aside now because he's a little too stressed. But he's yeah. going to appreciate that later, we'll, I'm sure. Yeah. That is adorable. <laughs> we'll we'll deal with the aftermath of all that next week. Thank See you folks. next week, everyone. Yes. Thanks next for listening. Week. Hey, guys. Bye. 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 Toodles. Conrad. Conrad, yes. Emily, what the hell? What? what? Uh, it was never said. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a specific emo flip and lives in a few little mansion in like some other dimension. Yeah, it's fun. It's a sexy little yeah. fancy boy out there. Um, MGK's oh, yeah. emo girl song oh, was written about Conrad. <laughs> For reference to anyone who was in the the pre-stream oh. campaigns that I ran, either of them, that was the oh, at yeah, least fashioned okay. after the yeah, Sobolonia estate.